find the reading. <clears throat> so the reading is from Genesis chapter 1. And it should be verse 26 to 31. Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all, and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So rather unwisely, I was racing against time to get to the borders of Scotland before Storm Arwen came in and stopped all play. I was getting a bit nervous, so I'd set off driving at lunchtime uh, so that I was timed to get to T-based services so I could do a meeting, which should have been a short meeting, on my work computer from the services and then carry on across uh, Scotland to hopefully get there before 7 o'clock when the uh, storm was about to, to hit. The meeting I had uh, is normally just a quick, short meeting, but I wasn't chairing it, so I was totally at the mercy of the person chairing it, and it went on and on and on. By seven o'clock, I was uh, following a gritter van down a little lane off the main road, going five miles an hour, with wind sending the snow horizontal across the car and an engine warning light on my dashboard. I arrived before the worst of it with the power already off in the house. And my friend and I experienced an evening like we have never had with uh, stuff literally being thrown against the windows and scaring us out of our skin. Uh, having to venture out in the night on virtually all fours to get more firewood uh, to keep the place going. And then in the morning, this amazing stillness the blue sky, the birds, in a scene of utter devastation, really, in the hills above Duns in Scotland, with trees like matchsticks flattened across the top of the hills. It took about, cutting about 20 trees to get the village out of the village, to get into the nearest town um, with a number of trees across it. Justin Welby said, climate change is loading the dice by intensifying storms and making rain patterns less predictable. Climate change is the human thumb on the scale, pushing us towards disaster. It's not a distant danger. It's already with us, 
As we continue to burn fossil fuels, its effects will only grow. We can listen to the increasingly panicky stories and protests and look at it all and think it's hopeless. But as Christians, I think that we have a different perspective, a different role, and the hope that the world needs to hear and experience as we approach climate change and the care of creation. This is the fifth and last mark of mission that we are looking at today. Can I have the next slide, great? Um, to strive to safeguard the integrity of creation and sustain and renew life of the earth. Treasure, let me say that again. To strive to safeguard the integrity of creation and sustain and renew the life of the earth. That's one of the five marks of mission of the Anglican Church. So I want to look this morning at a place, a role, and a hope. A Christian perspective on caring for creation and climate change. Firstly then, a place in creation. Looking at Genesis uh, chapter 1, verses 26 to 31. So beginning at verse 26. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the wild animals of the earth and over ever creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Is it possible that we feel uncomfortable or out of place talking about climate change? Is it possible that we feel not sure how Christians and Christianity fits with this call? When was the last time you felt you were in the wrong place or didn't fit? For me, it usually involves these things. Any variety of ball. It could be a football, a rugby ball, a tennis ball. Uh, I've been a constant disappointment to my father sitting at the back who's been a keen tennis player all his life. That's why I've got a tennis ball. <laughs> I think the, probably the worst moment with the next slide was uh, school cricket. There's, there's something about uh, school cricket where, you know, on the face of it, I just stood about mostly as a fielder trying to avoid, you know, being noticed and, and that was all fine. But there was always this, you know, sense of tension and panic, you know, that at some point the whole focus will come to you as a ball sails through the air. <laughs> Sorry, Celia. <laughs> and I failed to catch it. We can get our place wrong in creation. 
as Christians, we need to reject both secular understandings that see humanity as a plague on this planet and that nature would be better without us. That's not what the Bible says. <laughs> the Bible says we have a place in creation. But also we need to be careful that as Christians, our interpretations don't become so separate and spiritual from creation that we ignore our relationship with God's creation. So then firstly, we have a place within God's created order. The passage I've read is, verse, is day six of God's creation account. Then five was about uh, the animals. So let's not understand that we have a place, but, but we have a place alongside other created things that God has a relationship with. God creates living creatures, the birds that fly across the dome of the sky, and he blesses them in the verse before. He talks of the earth giving forth living creatures of every kind, and he saw that it was good. So we have a place and a relationship with God who has a relationship with his whole creation. Secondly, then, we have a role. These... Uh, uh, little slides are the uh, creation window in Chester Cathedral uh, in the refectory in Chester Cathedral so if you get a chance for your cup of tea in the refectory uh, look up above the uh, and, uh, above the sort of tea station and there's the creation window in the, the in the cathedral so secondly verse 28 onwards God blessed them and God said to them be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God said, see, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of the earth and every tree with seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the air and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life. I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. We have a place in creation with the rest of God's creation and animals and fish. But what distinguishes us from them is the role and responsibility that God gives uniquely to us. That we may rule over the fish and the sea and the birds and the sky, over livestock and the wild animals. The problem is that historically that word rule, dominion in some translations, has been misinterpreted, has been twisted, and we begin to think of the word rule or dominion as something authoritarian, like a secular uh, uh, dictator or king in a relationship with recreation. We see the earth as a resource for our use. But to do so, I think, misses the whole understanding of kingship that we see in Christ Jesus. Where leadership, dominion, rule, means servanthood. Where the one who rules is the one who serves. I live in a flat in the city centre here. I don't have much green space. I do 
try and uh, tend plants in uh, window boxes uh, uh, and little pots in the small space that I have. Um, so you can always spot mine as the one with the, with the flowers and things. Um, um, and it takes, you know, some attention to keep things alive. <laughs> Who's good at tending plants here? Anybody good at tending plants? There's a hand right at the back. <laughs> Would you tend this for me if I give it to you as a symbol of our creation? There you are, a gift from me for tending. <laughs> I love the fact that Christchurch looks after this little piece of green space in the middle of these terraced houses. I love the fact that that is part of people's understanding of what this church is. I snapped that when Rob and Wendy, just after Rob and Wendy had finished uh, cutting, the, cutting the grass yesterday, so it looks very beautiful, and uh, they spend a lot of time tending it. I love the fact that this community with its uh, CH1 gardener, has set about making this a more green and pleasant space. We've got the, the uh, community orchards around the, around the back uh, of the church. You've got the, the, the planting around the, the, the street signs and, and, in the, and in anywhere that there is a space really here in Newtown. You've got the super trees uh, round about there. There was a community event there this weekend. Um, tending and uh, working it. There's an opportunity here, Christchurch, for us to connect with what the community is already doing in demonstrating our tending of God's creation. Finally, then, a hope in the future. Verse 31. God saw all that he had made, and it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. It's been a pretty horrendous 18 months, hasn't it? How are you doing? We face things through COVID and war that we never thought we'd face. There's the underlying tension of protests against climate change, or not, protests for climate change change. There's a danger, and totally understandably, that in adversity, that we just batten down the hatches and wait to get through it. There's a danger as Christians that we look at COVID and the war and the effects of climate change as a reason to do nothing as we cluster together and batter down the hatches and weather the storm. The world groaning in labor pains, Romans 8 says, waiting for a new heaven and a new earth revealed in the book of Revelation. She just huddle together and wait to be rescued. 
And while perfectly understandable, I don't see that that is the example that Jesus gives us. Jesus and his followers, and particularly in the early church, were threatened with the end of their world, with the powers of the Roman Empire and persecution those first martyrs stood bravely for what they believed in and continued to demonstrate the kingdom of God, God's rule, God's way of doing things wherever they could. As God's creation is allowed to flourish, it speaks of its creator. As God's creation is exploited and polluted, it speaks of the sin of humanity. My day job, I do this as a volunteer. Uh, I've been given the responsibility of taking a local council to be carbon neutral by 2025, which isn't very far away. And then this year, they decided to make it harder and decided to make a target for the whole borough of 2045 when the whole borough needs to be carbon neutral. So they've just added that to my to-do list so that, um, you know, I'll sort that out, no problem. It's a big job, but it also puts me in a place of privilege of being able to talk across the borough and the region to different groups of people who all have a concern to do something to the NHS and health services, to business, big and small, the chambers of commerce, to town and parish councils, to volunteer groups, to education establishments. And for the first time, I think there's a real uh, motivation to actually make a difference this time. Things are changing, massive things are being done across this region to reduce carbon Huge uh, tree planting schemes are going ahead to improve biodiversity. There's a risk in this wave of humanity waking up to its effects on creation and wanting to do something about it, that the church is out of step and is left behind. The church of all institutions should be leading the way, understanding its place and its role in creation. At a point when the world is in despair, the church has an answer of hope. That with God with us, we can see restoration of the natural world that points to its creator. As an Anglican church, we have connections all around the world who are already experiencing the effects of climate change. We have a perspective that can speak out in this nation. In conclusion then, we have a place within a creation, within creation. We have a role to play in working to let creation speak of its creator. And we have a hope that will get us and others through the storm as we seek God's rule in our locality. I started with some words of the Archbishop of Canterbury. I'm going to finish with some more. 
The climate emergency is the greatest challenge that we face in generations. It is absolutely clear that following Jesus must include standing alongside those who are on the front line of this unfolding catastrophe. So, my challenge as I stand here for the last time in Christchurch is to take the opportunities that you have as a community, to get out there into those community groups in Newtown and across Chester, to make life better for bees and wildlife and through it for people and communities, to introduce people to the creation singing of its creator, and to have the strength to stand in the face of adversity and offer people hope. Thank you.